Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. I'll invite you to stand for the reading of God's word if you're at all physically able to do so. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose up some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And so Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy so that, they, so that they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And one of them, I'm sorry, and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on the right side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Amen. That's enough. You may be seated. I read in your hearing Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. I want to use for a thought entitled this morning, Come Out With Your Hands Up. I, I told the earlier crowd, I, I love uh, police shows. I, I love watching uh, when the uh, police surround the hideout or the house where the bad guys are. And I love when the person gets on the mic, the sergeant or the lead detective, and he declares to those inside the house to come out with your hands up. You're, you're surrounded. Surrender yourself to a power that's greater than you. And yet on this Sunday morning, I stop by here as a word of encouragement to somebody that we can come out with our hands up. Perhaps as we rush hurriedly to the end of 2020, there have been many, many, many who have said, I just can't wait for this year to be over with. I, I just can't wait. It's been a trying season. It's been a hard year. We have lost our freedoms, our our, our, our privileges of gathering, everybody is disconnected with social distancing, and I just can't wait for 2020 to be over. Maybe, maybe that's where you are. Maybe, maybe you've been uttering those words. I, I can't wait for 2021 to get here because surely 2021's got to be a whole lot better than, than 2020. Have you been there? Have you said that? And yet I stop by here on this Sunday morning to encourage you, 
to encourage us from the Word of God that no matter what you're going through, whether it's pandemic or just pandemonium, maybe it's frustration and discouragement, I've got good news from glory. Stop by here to preach my little sermon to say to you that you can come out with your hands up. That it doesn't matter what you're going through, whether it's physical, spiritual, emotional, and financially, whatever the struggle or hardship that you're experiencing, the good news from glory is you're not in this all by yourself, and you can come out whatever you're going through. As a church family or as an individual family, you can come out. I know that don't excite y'all on a Sunday morning, <laughs> but that excites me that I can come out. Let me tell you what, I, what I've come to tell you in my little sermon. There, there are some things here in the text. Let me tell you the story. You remember the children of Israel. The last time I was with you last month, children of Israel were in the wilderness of sin. And we learned some lessons in sin there in Exodus chapter 16 when the children of Israel were at a place of frustration and discouragement. They came to a place where there was no food for them and God, the God of heaven, rained down manna from heaven because God knows where his people are and he knows what his people needs. And in Exodus chapter 16, the children of Israel learned some lessons while they were in sin. But in Exodus chapter 17, they have transitioned from the wilderness of sin to a place called Rephidim, a place of rest. It's a place in their journey. And they learned some lessons there that I believe you and I can learn lessons from as well. Because in the very first verses of Exodus chapter 17, your Bible says that even though they are exactly where God has told them to be, they experience yet another obstacle and opposition. Because if you read Exodus chapter 17 verse 1, it says that they're in this place called Rephidim, but they thirst. There is no water for them to drink. And I know, I know as we've read the story before, this is not the first time that they experienced this opposition. This is not the first time that they experienced this obstacle. But in spite of having experienced it before, having learned lessons before, unfortunately, they're in the same place again. And you're asking the question that I often ask, how did they get to this place again? Why are they experiencing the same hardship, the same heartbreak, the same obstacle? Why, why are they in the same place? Have you ever asked those kind of questions? And I believe that they're in the same place again because they did not learn the lessons in the, few, in the past. The truth of the matter is if that if we don't learn lessons of the past, we're destined to repeat the same mistakes over and over again. If you find yourself in a place of continually going through the same old, same old, same old place, same old hardship, same old heartbreak, and maybe you've been asking yourself, how in the world did I get back to this place Again, perhaps it could be because, as I said before, if you always do what you always did, then you always get 
what you always got. If you don't learn the lesson, if you keep doing what you've always done, then you'll always get what you always got. If you don't like what you've been reaping, if you don't like what you've been reaping, if you don't like what you've been reaping, you've got to change what you're sowing. Unfortunately, there are far too many of us who keep reaping the same old thing, wondering why we keep getting what we always get. The reason is because we keep doing what we've always done. The children, of the, Isra- the children of Israel find themselves in this same place over and over again because they will not learn the lessons of the past. They're exactly where God told them to be. However, in spite of being exactly where God told them to be, they experience another obstacle. And again, what they did oftentimes is they criticized, complained, and murmured. I'm not making it up. Right here, the children of Israel in the sixth in the second verse of Exodus chapter 17, they contended with Moses. This word of contention means that they pushed, they complained, they criticized, they began to murmur against Moses. They began to say, Moses, what are we going to drink? We're in a place where we don't have any water. Why are we here, Moses? And that's the first lesson I believe that we need to continue to learn from the children of Israel is you don't want to be a critical, complaining, and murmuring people. I know I've said it every time that I've been with you these last four months that the children of Israel over and over again criticized, complained, and they murmured. And I know that in seasons of transition, God's people have a tendency of being like the children of Israel, complaining. Why are we still here? Criticizing. Why don't we have a pastor yet? Murmuring. Why don't we at least have an interim yet? I know nobody has said, I know you're saying, well, who's he been talking to? Ain't nobody told me nothing. (laughs) But I know us. If you're not careful, if we're not careful in seasons of transition, we can become frustrated and discouraged and begin to criticize, complain, and murmur. And maybe you're at this place individually or as a church family where you just can't wait till this season is over. Let me just give you these few little things that that I see in the text of how we can come out of this with our hands up. Children of Israel are at this place called Rephidim, complaining, criticizing, and murmuring. And what I like about this particular passage of Scripture is your Bible says that when Moses experienced this same uh, frustration or discouragement from the people, he cries out to the Lord. The fourth verse says, Moses cries out to the Lord. He looks to the Lord for answers. I like that over and over again. What I like about Moses is Moses recognizes that the journey that God has this people on is bigger than him. Moses recognizes that he's in over his head. Moses recognizes that he doesn't have the experience and the pedigree to lead God's people. And so over and over again throughout this journey, we see Moses reflect 
relying on the power of God, Moses cries out to the Lord. I like that. I like that. Let me just drop a note there and say to you, Coastal Oaks, in this season, while you're searching and seeking and praying about your next pastor, you want to make sure that you find a man who recognizes that it's not about him, that it's it's not about his intellectual capacity. It's not about his sermon preparation and sermon delivery. He needs to recognize that what God has for this people is bigger than him and further than where he can take them. He must rely on God. You want a man who's not afraid to pray. You're not a man who you not a, you want a man who's not ashamed to say I need God every moment of every day. You need a pastor who will seek God in prayer. I said something and y'all missed it. Because so oftentimes in our in our in our profile of what we're looking for, we start looking for things that are not biblical and are not helpful. You want a man who is dependent on God. I said, you want a man who is dependent on God. You want a man who's not depending on his seminary degree. You want a man who's not depending on his sermon preparation and delivery. You're not, you want a man who's not relying on his charisma alone. You want somebody who from Saturday to Saturday will seek God in prayer or from Sunday, Monday through Saturday will seek the Lord in prayer who will will bow his knee and seek God's face in prayer. Moses cries out to the Lord. Moses recognizes that he's in over his head. I've not even started my sermon. I'm just trying to give you, I'm just trying to give you the history to the text. And so the children of Israel are complaining, and in the fourth verse, Moses cries out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are about to kill me or stone me. Your Bible says, listen, because isn't that just the way church people are? Isn't that the way God's people are? They love you one day, hate you the next day, pat you on the back with one hand and stab you in the back on the other hand. God's people are kind of fickle sometimes. I know not at this church, (laughs) but in all the other churches that I go to. Church people are some of the meanest people in the world. And so Moses is crying out. Listen, God, Moses is crying out to the Lord. He's asking God for guidance, for direction, for wisdom, for, for, for direction on how to lead, his God, leads God, lead God's people. And the Lord speaks to Moses, says to Moses, go out before the people. Take you some elders with you and take what's in your hand. That's point number one. Make sure that you recognize What's in your hand? The first thing that the children of Israel come out, they're able to come out because of the possession in Moses' hand. Don't miss that. Moses is instructed by God to take the rod of God. In fact, you'll hear this same language from Moses in the ninth verse. Because in the eighth verse, the verse that I read in your hearing, because the children of Israel will move from this place, and they come to this place where they are now uh, being uh, uh, attacked by the Amalekites. The Amalekites are wanting to destroy the children of Israel. They wage war against God's people. And Moses then instructs uh, Joshua 
to choose some men, go down in the valley, fight against the Amalekites, and while you're down in the valley, I'm going up to the hill, me and two faithful leaders, Aaron and her, and while you're doing battle, we're going to intercede on your behalf. That's the picture of what's going on in Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. And he goes to the hill. He says, I'm going to the hill with the rod of God in my hand. You may recall that this rod that he has in his hand was the same rod that he had in his hand in Exodus chapter 4. In fact, in Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Moses was wrestling with whether or not he could stand before the children of Israel and to declare to them that God had sent him. And in Exodus chapter 4, when he's still dialoguing with God on the backside of the Midian desert, when God shows himself through a bush that's burning, Moses says, but they may not believe that you spoke to me and that you sent me. How will I prove to them? And in the second verse of Exodus chapter 14, God, I mean, Exodus chapter 4, God asks Moses, what do you have in your hand? Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. Moses says, a rod. In which God says to him, throw the rod that you have in your hand on the ground. He does what God tells him to do. And the rod that was in his hand turns to a serpent. Moses flees from the serpent. Then God instructs him, now take that serpent by the tail And when he does so, that serpent becomes the rod. All I'm simply trying to help us to understand that in the hands of Moses, it was merely just the rod. But when he surrendered that rod under the authority and power of God, that rod was a sign and symbol of greater and greater things. And so because Moses used what was in his hand, the children of Israel could be victorious. The point I'm simply trying to make is, Coastal Oaks, you have everything you need in order to accomplish what God has called for you to accomplish. You need to recognize that God has invested, God has entrusted you with great gifts and great talents and great resources and great abilities that God wants to do great and wonderful things in in and through you. That ought to be a word of encouragement for you as a church family. That God wants to accomplish his will on earth and he wants to use this church to do it. That ought to be a word for you, a word of encouragement that you already have in your hand everything you need in order to accomplish what God wants to accomplish. That was the lesson Moses needed to learn. That was the lesson the children of Israel needed to learn. And that is a lesson that we also need to learn. Don't miss the possession of Moses' hand. Maybe you're here and you've been frustrated and discouraged, wondering whether or not you have the ability 
to do great things. And yet I stopped by here on my way to heaven just to encourage you, ma'am, you, sir, that you already have everything you need in order to do great things for the Lord. That if you would surrender what you have in your hands, if you would surrender what God has already deposited in you for his glory, for his honor, and for his praise, you will accomplish great things. Don't miss the possession of Moses' hand. The children of Israel were able to be victorious over the Amalekites, not because they outnumbered the Amalekites. In fact, we don't even know whether or not they were outnumbered. We don't even know the number in each army, but we do know that they were surrendered to the will of God. The children of Israel were not victorious because they outsmarted the Amalekites. They were victorious because God was on their side. Not only were the children of Israel victorious because of the possession in Moses' hand, the children of Israel were victorious because of the position of Moses' hand. Right here in the text, I'm not making it up. Your Bible says in the 11th verse, that when Moses held up his hands, Israel prevailed. When Moses let down his hand, the Amalekites prevailed. When his hands were lifted, Israel was victorious. When his hands were down, the Amalekites were victorious. You see the position? Hands up, victory. Hands down, defeat. This posture of hands up, it is this, I don't, I don't know whether his hands were up like this. I know he had a rod in his hand, so at least one of his hands were closed, but but I like this posture of hands up because it suggests this posture of surrender and submission. It is the picture of a bad man coming out of his hands, with his, coming out of his hideout, surrendering to an authority greater than himself, recognizing that he's outnumbered, outflanked, outpowered, and outmaneuvered, and he's surrendering his or her will and surrendering themselves to a power greater than themselves. I like that picture because I believe that when God's people get to the place of surrender, when we recognize that there is a power that is greater than us, that there is someone wiser than us, that when we submit our will, our authority, and even our own agendas to the will of God, we'll do and see great things. This picture of surrender, Moses' hands are up, and the children of Israel are victorious. But when he lowers his hands, the children of Israel are being defeated. But the story doesn't stop there because the picture is that over the course of time, Moses' hands become too heavy because Moses is merely a man. Moses, in the 12th verse, his hands become weary 
And when his hands become weary because he is merely just a man, what I like about Moses is Moses not only recognizes that it's bigger than him, Moses recognizes that he can't do it by himself. So Moses had the wisdom to take with him faithful leaders, Aaron and Hur. Moses recognized that he was not a lone ranger. Moses recognized that he did not have and possess the ability to lead God's people by himself. And again, you want a leader that is not insecure with surrounding himself with other strong men who can help him to accomplish what God has called for him to accomplish. I like Moses because Moses was not an insecure leader. Moses was not one of those that said, I'm going to the hill all by myself because I'm smart enough, I'm strong enough, I'm wise enough, I'm prayed up enough, I'm intelligent enough, I'm pretty enough, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. No, Moses recognized I am merely a man. And Moses takes with him Aaron and her. And over the course of time, your Bible says that Moses' hands become heavy with weariness. Because he had the wisdom of surrounding himself with other strong men, those men put a stone under him and gave him a place of rest, sat down on the stone. Then each one of them, Aaron and her, positioned themselves on both sides of Moses. And your Bible says that they held up his hands. I like that picture. That picture of these men who understood that they had a role, that the success of the people was predicated on their willingness to serve the leader, the leader that God had ordained to lead his people. And Aaron and her held up his hands, steadied his hands, and because of that, the children of Israel were victorious. Do you see the position of Moses' hands? Hands up, victory. Hands down, defeat. Listen, my friend, God already knows who your next leader is. Your job is to make sure that your hearts are right to hear his voice and to move obedience to his voice. God already knows who your next Moses is. Your job is to line up with God's will, to discern God's will, I know you have your preferences. I know you have your wants and your likes. I know you want who you want. I know you think you want who you want. But even though you may know who you want or think you know who you want, ask God who he wants. Because I'm a living witness that the safest place in the whole wide world is smack dab in the will of God. Don't miss the possession in Moses' hands. 
Don't miss the position of Moses' hand. But ultimately, the children of Israel were able to be victorious because of the power of God's hands. Don't you be naive. Don't you mistakenly think that the children of Israel were merely victorious because of Moses. Moses was merely the instrument that God used to lead his people. But the victory that the children of Israel, the victory that the coastal oaks, the victory that you and I will experience will be because of the power that is in God's hand. In fact, God speaks to Moses in the 14th and 15th verse, and he says to Moses, write this down as a memorial and a, and a recount and an account or recount or an account to remind you in the future what I have done here. He reminds Moses that in the future, you will need to be reminded of this victory. And it won't be because of your strength. It won't be because of your intellect. You won't be because you've been so smart or strong. It will be because of me working on your behalf. Because the victory that the children of Israel experienced is because of the power of God in their life. So don't miss the possession that's in Moses' hand. Don't miss the possession that's in your own hands. Don't miss the position in, of Moses' hands. Hands up, hands down. But don't miss the position of your own hands. Can I ask you the position of your hands? Because the, the, the truth of the matter is that in seasons of transition, you can clench your hands in anger. You can wring your hands in despair and frustration and discouragement. You can fold your hands in idleness of just saying, I'm going to sit back and I'm going to wait and see who Moses is going to be. Or you can choose to raise your hand in praise and worship and surrender. You can clench your hands in anger. You can wring your hands in frustration. You can fold your hands in idleness or you can raise your hands in prayer. What's the position of your hand? What's the posture of your heart? I don't know about you, but I choose to praise him. In the midst of the pandemic, in the midst of the frustration, in the midst of the discouragement, even though everything isn't all that it ought to be, God is worthy to be praised. What the children of Israel failed to recognize that even though they weren't in the promised land yet, they failed to realize that they also weren't still in Egypt. And you need to recognize, we need to recognize that even though you're not all, you're not where God wants you to be, the great news is you're not where you used to be. I may not be everything I ought to be. I may not even be everything that I should be. But oh, I thank God that I'm not what I used to be. And I can rejoice that every time God allows me the privilege 
of standing on his behalf in front of his people. It's not because of me, but it's all because of him. And every time I think back over my life and reflect how good God has been of the failures of the past, of all my mistakes of the past, even my mistakes of yesterday, the fact that I'm still here filling my lungs with his air is a testimony of his faithfulness to me. We have something to celebrate. Don't wait till 2021 to worship God. Don't worship. Don't wait till 2021 or anticipating 2021. Make a decision that you're going to surrender your life to this to the to the authority and power of God and walk in obedience to what God has God has already called you to do. So three things all that I want you to do. Don't don't miss the possession. Don't miss the position, but ultimately don't miss the power. That's in God's hand because you and I can be victorious over this pandemic. You and I can be victorious over any and every obstacle that we find ourselves in, not because of who Moses is. You want a good Moses. You want a good leader. You want a praying leader. But what God has for you is bigger than who Moses is. Make sure that your faith is in God and you're relying on the power that is in his hands. And if we do that, we can be victorious over any and every obstacle. I've got to take my seat. But I just wanted to encourage you that you and I can come out. You and I will come out. Victory is already ours. The children of Israel didn't recognize that the victory was already theirs before the battle had ever been fought. The victory was there because they were on the journey that the Lord had them on. And that the Lord who had called them to the journey was the Lord who had provided for them every step throughout the journey. And the God that had called them to the journey was a God who could never be defeated. So as long as I'm on the Lord's side, I'm on the winning side. I can't lose. We can't lose. I can't lose with the stuff I use. That's what we used to say in the 70s. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory is ours. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Who can stand before me when I call on that great name? Jesus. 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 We have the victory. We can come out with our hands up. You may be here and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you to make the most important decision of this, of this world. 
of your life. And the most important decision of this life is that you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you've never made that decision, let me encourage you to make that decision. Don't go back home the same way you've come. Maybe you're watching online and you need to make this decision. Why don't you comment in the section? Why don't you go to the website, connect with somebody, and somebody will connect with you and let them know that you need to make a decision. But for the vast majority of us, who are following the Lord and perhaps have even become frustrated and discouraged on the journey. Wondering like a child, are we there yet? Are we there yet? What's taking us so long to get there? Why don't we have a pastor yet? Why don't we have an interim pastor yet? Why, why aren't we further along and this, this frustration creeps in and you begin to be frustrated and discouraged and yet I stopped by here just to give you my little sermon and a word of encouragement that you already have what you need in your hand. Surrender what you have to the authority of God. And he will do great and glorious things in what you already have in your hand. Decide the position of your own hand. Stop worrying about somebody else's hands. Are your hands clenched in anger, wringing in frustration? sitting idle, or are they raised in surrender and praise? But ultimately, I just stop by to say to you, make sure that you're relying on the power of God to work in you, through you, and even in spite of you.